So hello, Shady Oaks members. This is our first podcast of this year, which will be followed by many more to come every couple of weeks or so that will be featured in the Oak Leaf on Sunday afternoons. Um, we're here in the Ben Hogan Tribute Boardroom, the new boardroom at, at Shady Oaks, and I'm here joined today by our club president, Brian Barnard. Uh, I thought it'd be appropriate for him to start the, the podcast series out um, with him. And uh, fortunately, Brian and I have been good friends for a long time. And so this is kind of fun to to get to rehash some of your past and how you joined Shady Oaks. So President Barnard, if you don't mind, just maybe start with with how you ended up joining Shady Oaks in 1988, right? That's right, I joined in 88. At the time, uh, Tex Moncrief was president of the club. Uh, Jimmy Riley was, uh, some of you may remember Jimmy Riley. He was the membership chair. And I think, as I recall, there were only about six junior members of the club at the time. And uh, Tex believed that uh, it needed to be a concerted effort to bring in more junior members. And I had known Jimmy Riley as a kid. I grew up in Hobbs, New Mexico, but Jimmy and his family bought into an oilfield supply company in Hobbs, and he and Sandra Riley, his wife, lived in Hobbs for a few years, so I knew Jimmy, and he reached out to me. So it was uh, it was a, having grown up and uh, and hearing all about Shady Oaks and uh, how great a club it was, and Mr. Hogan's involvement, and uh, it, it was an honor, and uh, I was very excited about having the opportunity to join Shady Oaks, and there were several guys around my age that joined and uh, a lot of them did not uh, matriculate when they got to be 35, but, but I did. And it's one of the best decisions I ever made. And it's been a great experience on all my 35 years of being a member here. So after the university of Texas, what brought you to Fort Worth? I know, but. Well, I, I was, I went to UT undergrad. I went to tech law school. Uh, I joined the law firm of Haynes and Boone in Dallas. And uh, the time that I joined, we were, not that large a law firm, about 35 lawyers, and we only had one office, and we opened a Fort Worth office in 1984. I moved over here in 1985 and uh, played around other golf courses, Fossil Creek, uh, Bill Creek, some of the municipal courses and, until I had the opportunity to join Shady Oaks and been here ever since. Well, so I know your background, so it's a little bit presumptuous for me to ask, but if you don't mind, just share your golf background and some of the things you told me about your dad and Mr. Hogan. Well, uh, well, my dad was a very good amateur. He played golf in the University of Texas. Harvey Pinnock was his golf coach. Uh, he was on a Southwest Conference winning team and played in the national championship. And he had a very good amateur record out in West Texas. Uh, I, I was born in Midland and we lived my first few years in Odessa. And my dad was from La Mesa, so he grew up out there. Um, so, you know, one of the things that was interesting is I grew up in uh, – and when I was introduced to the game, you know, a lot of my friends, they had the Ben Hogan Jr. set. And in my hot house, Ben Hogan was not that big a name. My dad's biggest uh, golf uh, idol was Sam Snead. And so we played, my dad played Wilson Staff Golf Clubs. And so I had a Wilson Staff Jr. set, but I envied my friends who had Ben Hogan sets. And so... Um, so, you know, I grew up and not, I did not really have a, a lot of, a lot of knowledge. I, I knew Mr. Hogan was a great player and he was one of the best ever, but I did not have full appreciation of his record or the things that he'd accomplished in golf. So when I joined Shady Oaks, uh, I had a lot to learn. And one of my first experiences with Mr. Hogan was 
uh, a fellow, a, a guy that joined with me, his name was Rob Harold. Y'all might remember his wife, Janet, ex-wife Janet, who was president of Shady Oaks. But Rob was a school teacher. And during the summer of 1988, uh, Rob was going to go to Scotland. And he we, he, we played golf on a Saturday morning. And he told me he wanted to ask Mr. Hogan about Carnoustie. And I, I didn't even, you know, it didn't even impact me that Mr. Hogan only uh, played one time over there and, and then the, and the terminal was up from the state. But I was curious about how this was going to go. And so we waited until Mr. Hogan had, uh, he, he had been hitting some balls and he came in and cleaned up and, and, uh, your lockers were close. Our together. lockers were close together in the old locker room. And I, I was just going to watch how this came down. And, uh, he, Mr. Hogan closed his locker and Rob approached him, introduced himself. And I was just kind of watching and, uh, and Rob told him that he was going to go to Scotland and he was going to play Carnoustie and wanted to know if Mr. Hogan could give him any tips. And of course I, I did not know how Ben Hogan was going to react, but it was fascinating because Mr. Hogan actually engaged with Rob and sat down on one of the benches in the locker room. And he went through the entire golf course on how he played every hole, which was, which was fascinating to me. And as I said, I didn't know his record uh, and or his experiences with the the Open Championship. And afterwards, I said, "Well, Mr. Hogan, did you?" Because I had played St. Andrews, and I said, "Mr. Hogan, did you get to play St. Andrews?" He goes, "No, I just went over there that one time." So, so there was there were a lot of things that uh, I had to learn about Mr. Hogan, and and quickly did. And with regard to my father, uh, unfortunately, my father passed away uh, too early. And he only got to play Shady Oaks one time, and it was a day where it really, really rained real hard. And we we started, we had to stop because of the rain, but he wanted to finish, and so we waited it out. We finished and got cleaned up, and the only person who was in the men's grill was Ben Hogan. And my dad never said great things about Ben Hogan, and, you know, I, I wanted to kind of, for those of you who've been around a long time and knew Mr. Hogan, you know, there were certain ways to approach Mr. Hogan. Uh, and you only really wanted to approach him on good days that, that he was having. And we were in the locker room and we we're going to get a, a, a cocktail for the road. And uh, Lou was the was yeah, the yeah, bartender yeah. at the time. And so I walked up to the bar and my dad, I thought, was right behind me. And Lou started pouring the drinks. And all of a sudden she just closed her eyes and shook her head. And I said, Lou, has my dad gone over there to talk to Mr. Hogan? And she said, yes. And we both had kind of a cringy look on our faces and and all of a sudden we heard laughter. So it was a, it was a, my, uh, so it ended up well. And my dad told me that he had uh, mentioned, went over to introduce him, reintroduce himself because he'd known Mr. Hogan in the past. And they talked about some of the old uh, times they'd had before. So, so it, it ended on a good note for my father. So you've come a, 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 a long stretch from really not knowing much about Mr. Hogan, as was the case with myself when I first got here. I mean, I didn't come here because of Ben Hogan. I came here for a nice job. And, uh, and then I got fortunate to be a part of Mr. Hogan's legacy. But, you know, I'm, I'm like you. It took me a while to learn. But what's kind of interesting now is, is, is has you been a member for such a long period of time, and now you're sitting in the, the Ben Hogan tribute room, and we're celebrating the, the new, uh, you know, exhibition out there in Mr. Hogan's honor. So, I mean, if you don't mind, just share a little bit about that with the rest of the club. Well, we, we certainly as a club – and throughout our club uh, you know, facilities had a lot of tributes to Mr. Hogan over the years, but, you know, it is, I've been here for a long, long time and, and it has been uh, obvious to me for a long time, how important Mr. Hogan's relationship with this club is to Shady Oaks country club. 
Mr. Hogan's legacy has uh, touched us all. Uh, it, you know, there's in the golf world, Shady Oaks is one of the most elite clubs in the country, and more than, probably the reason more than anything else is is, is this was Mr. Hogan's home club. And, um, so we had a, a couple three years ago one of our non-resident members, uh, Mr. Jeff Mooney, uh, approached Robert uh, Stennett and told him, who's, who was then the president of the Ben Hogan Foundation, and told him that he had a, and, and many people already knew this, that he was a, a longtime collector of Ben Hogan memorabilia, and he did not believe his children were interested in it once he was uh, gone, but, and he wanted to make sure that this was a uh, uh, that this memorabilia would be available for the membership of Shady Oaks. And uh, he made a, so he made this collection available and the, the Board of Governors of Shady Oaks took this and saw this as a great opportunity for us to make a very appropriate and lasting tribute to Mr. Hogan. And uh, the board approved the creation of the Ben Hogan tribute. And as y'all all know, uh, we, we had our annual meeting on March the 28th and this, that on that day, the tribute was pretty much finalized. And we, uh, we, we had had, we had a relationship with a man named Andy much, who was, who was a museum, uh, golf curator. Uh, he was involved in the, uh, establishing and curating the Ben Hogan room at the USGA museum in New Jersey. He had a good relationship with Mrs. Hogan. Uh, we had engaged him to help us on this tribute, and he curated it. And now we have it. Uh, I think most of you have been. Hopefully, most of you have seen it. If you haven't, I highly recommend it. it. is It is a fantastic exhibit. It is a living exhibit. We we will be adding in, uh, things to it over time. We have an archives that is down in the Ben Hogan uh, Foundation offices. Uh, enables us to uh, store. Uh, memorabilia that we, we can't, that we're not showing at any particular time. Uh, we also, uh, some, some members of our club were uh, good enough to uh, make some uh, contributions so that we could uh, uh, obtain it, uh, some other uh, memorabilia. And we already have the, uh, uh, the replica of the Claret Jug that Mr. Hogan won in 1953 at the Open Championship. Uh, next month, we will receive the Wanamaker uh, replica of the Wanamaker trophy that Mr. Hogan won uh, for uh, the PJs that he won. Um, the Ben Hogan family uh, entered into an agreement with the USGA and is going to obtain a replica of the US Open trophy. And they've been kind enough to let us uh, that they will loan it to the club so that we can exhibit the US Open trophy here. And we also will have the Ryder Cup uh, from the U.S. from the PGA of America. Uh, we we are still working on trying to obtain something from uh, that's uh, a uh, replica of what Mr. Hogan won for winning the Masters, and we're still working on that. But there were there are many other things that uh, in, that that uh, we can you know over the years we will hopefully obtain and uh, just make this a, a, a better and better exhibit. Uh, I do think that the that the claim that this tribute will uh, gain us over years will be fantastic and will even uh, be a much better thing for all of our members of Shady Oaks. Well, I agree. Thank you, Brian. The uh, one thing, though, I think is important is 
we take for granted Mr. Hogan's presence and his influence on Shady Oaks and even the club directly and indirectly. So I know that you've told me a story about you want to play Muirfield in England. Yeah. And that's one of the ways you benefited directly, yeah. you know, and, uh, and so I still, we have the pleasure. We can, I mean, we can't get members off any place, but we can get them off from most places. Well, I, I, yeah. So Mr. Hogan was nice enough to write me a letter of recommendation to get me on Muirfield and, he signed two of them. I have one framed in my house, and it's it's one of my prized possessions. But another time, uh, the only time I've ever played Wingfoot, uh, at the time of the at that time, the pro was Tom Neaporty, and uh, Tom Neaporty uh, told me that he had played with Mr. Hogan in the 1958 Open uh, to Southern Hills, and Mr. Hogan couldn't have been nicer. And he said, any member of Shady Oaks that wants to play Wingfoot is welcome. So that right there is a, a very great indication of, of uh, how Mr. Hogan has, has uh, increased the value of all of our memberships at Shady Oaks. So let's change uh, pages a little bit here and go back. Can, can you take us through your history at Shady Oaks and what you've seen? Um, you know, it's been a long time. You really want to do that. a little bit. I think I think it's important to pass on some of the things that we all went through. Yeah, you know, at a younger yeah. time in our lives. So. Well, I, I remember joining in '88, and one of the first questions I asked—I knew this club opened in '58—is I had asked, uh, "When was the last time these greens had been rebuilt?" And I, it took a while to get an answer, but the answer I finally got was they never had been rebuilt. And that I knew that uh, Shady Oaks had been told by the uh, Grammy group at the USGA and also by Texas A&M that we needed to rebuild our greens. Uh, they gassed the greens in 1989 because we had so much pollen. I remember that, and we had to replant grass. I know the greens died in 1991. Uh, I remember playing playing golf at Shady Oaks when there was no grass on the greens, uh, and we would. If y'all remember the old number one, where if you were below the hole, you know, I mean, you know, obviously, the, the if you're above the hole, you know, you could be very easy to put the ball off the green. But I can remember when there was no grass that you could be below the hole and you just you put it all the way up and you'd get all the way to the hole and come all the way back down. <laughs> uh, so, you know, there was some band-aids basically put on the greens a couple, three times in the 90s. and But you made a a decision when really honestly things were touch and go and you made a decision i'll never forget you know to to stay a member well yeah um, when i it, that was in 97 after the green after 96 after the greens died for the second time and some of my friends here at shady oaks left at the time and i was i, I was really having a struggle about what i was going to do i do remember i called mike one day and made sure that he was in his office uh, I drove out to Shady Oaks. I went into Mike's office. He looked at me. He goes, I know why you're here. Go ahead and say it. And I remember I was, you know, I'd come out to tell Mike that I was going to resign from the club, but I couldn't do it. And I, 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 I didn't. Well, during and, that time frame, we lost about, if I remember correctly, almost 30% of our members in about three months. That's right. It was really tough. That was great. And tough. so, I mean, I was used to hearing that. And, yeah. uh, well, the expression but, on your face is you just wanted to get it out of the way. You just wanted to, I know you want to go get it over with and just go back to business, but I did not do that. And I'm, I'm so thankful that I didn't. Uh, so what would you say have been the crucial points in the club's history to build it into what it is today? Because you've experienced them all. Well, uh, obviously, 
you know, there was the, the, the whole nineties were just a mess. And there was a, you know, the, a lot of personalities left this club. Some passed away, but a lot of the personalities of the old guard kind of passed on. Um, and then with uh, some new new leadership on the board, some important decisions were made. And in my opinion, the one of the greatest decision that the board ever made was whether you however you want to put it, but the club. Handed the keys over to you, Mike. No, 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 no that's true. No, no, that's true. And and uh, you you had such an impact on all aspects of the club for a while. But you're you're, uh, you're you know, but being a director of golf, you made such an impact on our uh, on our golf operation here and turned it into the best golf operation uh, anywhere in. Well, thank you for saying that. I'm going to get off that subject here. <laughs> But I'm, I will say that you can I mean, you think that up, and that's the way I wanted. To no, no, no. But I, but I mean, you go through and you say, okay, you, you, you will remember here through poor greens, you know, for yep. a, a number of years, and then uh, then we you know, went through the clubhouse, and we go through the, the clubhouse, and yes, you know, I'll never forget on Thanksgiving Day, it was going to be the first Thanksgiving I planned to take off. I'm there with my family at home, and and all of a sudden I get a call and says the clubhouse is on fire, which it really wasn't on fire. Right. It's asbestos, you know, right. around the, you know, sprayed from the engineering room. But we, we we were told it was fire, you know. So I mean, next thing you know, I'm up here on Thanksgiving Day. But some decisions made after that, which you witnessed, you know, were crucial to the club, right? Well, I mean, it, I wasn't on the board at the time, and it was not that I really wasn't as involved with the club at that time as I as I became later. But I do know that the board had engaged consultants and had been advised that, you know, before with the old clubhouse, Shady Oaks was one of those clubs that could host a large wedding, a large banquet, you know, uh, large, large proms, proms, dead parties, uh, that the Shady Oaks is one of those places like Ridgely Country Club of having those big events. And of course, you know, that required us to have a large staff and we did not have a large membership and the board was advised that, Yes, you can read. You, you can keep this building. You can clean it up. You can renovate it. But the, as I recall, the the consultants recommended that we not do that and tear down the old structure and and build a more, you know, more fitting, more more um, club for for our membership. And we went through that uh, with the the uh, the issues that we had there, and then that decision was made. And I remember when this clubhouse opened. In the open house we had, and how fa- how great a looking clubhouse it was, and 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 that was one of the greatest things that ever happened to this club, was the the new facility. Uh, I know there were some longtime members that weren't very happy about that, but uh, in in the long run, I think that has turned out to be one of the best decisions ever made. And Pat here was the president of the club at the time, and. Uh, it, w- it was a tough time for him, but he did such an incredibly amazing job of leading our club into making that decision and through that process to where we have in this clubhouse we have today. Yeah, you know, for the for the younger members that may not know that history, it was it was a tumultuous time for sure. Very much. I mean, I'll never forget. Uh, our Chad Cruz and I were we had meetings in the uh, in the tennis courts like we did for mm-hmm. the golf course, mm-hmm. but we actually had the the uh, Westworth police on speed dial. As we thought it may get, yeah. you know, and so we went through that and thank goodness for Pat and the board and all the leaders at that time that kind of got us through that, you know, so then 
I guess, you know, years later, we, we end up adding on to this building. And I think people would view it as, you know, upgraded the quality of it quite a bit throughout. Um, and then faced, you know, you've seen the, the golf course change. Well, Mike pointed out, we did build the men's grill. We also improved the dining facilities. We improved the tennis facilities. There has been uh, such a capital improvement campaign that has gone on since this new clubhouse was built that was and it never cost the membership any additional money uh it was it was paid for and and it, it was either paid for out of cash flow or or some borrowings but basically all of that was was very well spent and and and, the, and as it is today the club is debt free and was for a long time then the decision was the board made the decision to renovate the golf course that was also a very interesting time. Yeah. So if you don't mind backing up a little bit, okay. because we've known each other for a long time. Okay. And so I presented Brian, you know, upon my request, this, the booklet about the proposed yes. changes for the golf course. And if I remember correctly, and you correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, you are not pleased, right? Well, Openly. Mike. Doubting. That, questioning. Mike told me that he, that the Ogilvy Cocky and me had provided a, a book that uh, was, you know, the design booklet that went through the design, the proposed design that they had, and Mike made that available to me, and he told me he wanted me to take it, spend a week with it. And I just really, at the time, honestly, uh, before I looked at it, I did not understand why we needed it. I loved the golf course the way it was, and and it was having spent a lot of time with the book and talking to Mike about it, I became a convert, you know, and you know how it is, how converts becoming incredible uh, missionaries and, and advocates for, for their causes. And, and once I bought into the new design, yeah, I was very adamant, uh, a proponent for the, the renovation. I uh, had the opportunity to meet the architects and uh, could see how uh, thoughtful they were, uh, how smart they were, and how uh, confident they were in their, uh, in the, in their design that just really believed it was the best thing for our club to do. Um, I was a, I was on the board uh, when that decision was made, and that was that was after Ogilvy, Cocky, and Mead had done the little nine. And our uh, golf course staff had done a such a great job of working with OCM to redo the little nine. The decision was is that that could, same thing could happen again because OCM was such a hands-on design firm and spent so much time on premises through the design process. So we made the decision to uh, go ahead with the, uh, the project. And unlike some of the other capital projects that we've been, ha been having, it, we deemed it was necessary to have an assessment to where uh, the members would, would pay a significant amount of money for us to do that. And again, we had some some excitement mm -hmm. uh, within the membership. And again, just like with with uh, the the Greens through the '90s, we did lose a significant number of members, but far less than we expected. Sure. For sure. Uh, but uh, you know, it was a little less than ten percent. But uh, it was, uh, you know, it was it was certainly a a uh, 
a major event for our club and it was something that we that what the beauty of that was and the reason that it all happened the way it did in a very positive fashion is that the board of governors all 15 members of the board of governors were 110 percent behind this renovation project and never varied from that uh, and I really, I really believe that that's the reason that it that it happened the way it did. Uh, we did have a uh, referendum, referendum at the time, and it was uh, very significantly in favor. The membership vote was very significantly in favor of renovating the golf course. And I mean, we all know how great a redesign this has been, and and the. Not only do we all enjoy it, but our guests and people from uh, far and wide have played our golf course, love this golf course. And you can see how uh, Shady Oaks is uh, in terms of, you know, what you, you might not give any credence to these uh, uh, rankings by Golf Digest and others, but that uh, we are very highly rated in the state of Texas now. Uh, and I think it's 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 very much due that that uh, with that it, our golf course is rated as highly as it is. Yeah. So I think I, if uh, I'll just tell the members, I think they'd find this interesting that you know we set out on that project probably in 2014 or 15, and um, we interviewed the top level architects across the country, and we had it narrowed down. Um, and thank goodness I have a good friend named Bill Coor, who's partners with Ben Crenshaw. And, uh, and I was walking Trinity Forest golf course with, uh, with Bill one day and it was before it opened. And, um, uh, you know, Bill, I asked Bill, I said, here's who we're talking to. We weren't talking to Bill because he had experience here in the past. Right, right. And, uh, so, you know, I said, I said, Bill, here, here's who we're talking to. And Bill Coor is like Ben Crenshaw. They're very soft-spoken and they're not going to say anything bad about anybody. And Bill looked at me and didn't say a word. And so he called me about two weeks later and we were about to hire another architect. And he said, Mike, you guys need to hire OCM out of Australia. And I almost didn't call the committee. I mean, I almost said, I'm not going to call the committee. I'm not going to tell them this because it's far-fetched. And sure enough, I did call the committee and the committee interviewed them and uh, turned out that, that they won the job. And it's a, it's a very nice story about how that all took place. Um, but now, I mean, their reputation in the United States, you know, they've got jobs in in three different states um you know they're redoing medina's championship golf course um so good start for them and a great start for us as well so well, well we had a during covid medina came to shady oaks uh, the leadership of medina came to shady oaks talked with our leadership looked at our course uh, asked us a lot of questions about ocm and they uh, even had a Skype meeting with OCM right here in this boardroom. And they did make a decision to hire OCM. And I had, I was playing golf in Arizona last year and ran into a board member of Medina. And we started talking and I asked him about their hiring of OCM. And he talked a little to me about the process. And, and I think the listeners will find this interesting is this is what he said with regard to our, how our, uh, how Shady Oaks impacted their decision. He said, we have, we have not had, not will have. He said, we have such respect for Shady Oaks in the way that he was explaining because of our relationship and what we said about OCM and what, and what they saw of our golf course and how it improved it was 
that one of the major reasons they hired OCM was because of our experience in Shady Oaks. That showed an incredible amount of respect yeah. that the Madonna, Madonna board had for our club, which I thought was really outstanding. So this has been more about Shady Oaks history and maybe a little bit about the club politics than we than I kind of hoped. But, uh, you know, I think it's all real and honest. But, uh, you know, I don't want to to leave the members without knowing a little bit more about you and your family. So if you don't mind, just share you know, that's your twin daughters. And well, I, uh, you know, I, I have uh, lived in, in Fort Worth for about 40 years and uh, I'm, I'm married and I have two children. I have daughter, twin daughters. Uh, they're in college, one's at TCU and one's at the uh, University of Oklahoma. And, uh, you know, they, uh, they grew up experiencing Shady Oaks. I, I tried to get them to be involved in interested in golf. That just didn't didn't work out uh, the way I'd hoped it would. Maybe maybe sometime in the future. One of their one of my daughter one of my daughter's boyfriends is a is a really avid golfer. So, so they're juniors, right? They're both they're juniors. They're yeah. both they're juniors at, at in college. So and they're gonna go abroad to study this summer. So they're where are they going? Uh one's going to London and one's going to Barcelona. Right. So nice. and they're excited about that and uh, my wife is uh, kind of dabbling in, in the, a little like jewelry business that she's started with a couple of her, her buddies. And uh, so this, that's kind of taken up a lot of her time. And, and, uh, and we, and we, you know, enjoyed Shady Oaks through the years as a family. And involved. so how long did you live over off number eight on the, you used to live across the street here, right? 12 years. 12 years. I lived on one side of eight and, uh, and then I lived on the other side, another side of eight, and total for twelve years living over there. Living on the course was great, and having a having a private car was was awesome, and and uh, hopefully I'll do that again in the future. But uh, but it's uh, the, our relationship with this club has been very very important in my family, and certainly one of the most important relationships I've ever had in my life. And and uh, being uh, president of this club is a is a great honor. Yeah, well, good. Well, thank you very much. This time seemed like it went by very fast, but uh, again, I wish we got to know a little bit more about you. I kind of led the, the questioning towards Shady Oaks probably a little too much, but uh, thank you for absolutely spending your time with us and, so, and all the thank time you, you give to the club. And so, thank you for doing this. Yeah, Mike. it'll be fun. Hopefully it'll be some, some good history we'll, we'll keep. So anyway, thank, thank you. Thank you.